So Alex Trebek walks up to me on the street today and stands mustache, of course. And he looks me in the eye and he says, points at me and he says, your latest podcast. And I said, why? It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 20. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. No, I know. I'll do it again. I just... <laughs> no, I think I think he was talking about me. Was the terrible part? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been thinking about that woohoo all day. Come on, David, give us a woohoo. Woohoo. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid I don't see the logic in trying to reproduce an image with such primitive tools. I believe it's more about creating something from one's imagination, like this one, for instance. Actually, that was an accident I had with Ratchet's blowtorch. You ask me, it's all a waste of time. No bot ever saved anyone with art. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to 11 O'Clock Comics, as usual, Well, where it's not Thursday. Wait a minute, I fucked up. Okay. <laughs> They're going to tell? <laughs> and I'm not editing one second of this thing. Welcome, one and all, to 11 O'Clock Comics. Unfortunately, it's not Wednesday today, it's Thursday, but it's... Still new comic book day. Still new comic day, yes. And as always, I am Vince B. I am Miss Alaska. I'm stealing Wood's line. Oh. oh. Thief. You're 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 not Miss Alaska. You're Chris Neesman. Yes, I'm David Price. Yes, you are. And making his I, I'm Levi Johnston. <laughs> no, he's oh. not. He's the man behind the mask. He's back, Mr. Jason Wood. Uh, uh, or you can What's tell we're on? out of practice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. And, and you know what? You know. 
the the guys on the forum will say, "Oh yeah, you're a little bit rusty, but that's because Jason wasn't there. Mr. Wood wasn't there to guide you through the show." Give me a break. Don't guide us, Wood. Good Lord, split you. Take, take us to the promised land, Wood. Yeah, man, you guys, uh, you guys had some heavy hitters step in for me last week. Yeah, we did some big time podcasters. It's all blur. Star power, Mr. <laughs> Derek Coward and Chris Marshall. For those of us, for those of you who didn't listen last week, and why didn't you? Because it's all good. Shame yeah, on you. Know, me. You know, you know. I liked having Chris and Derek on. It was cool to talk with them. But you know, I kind of miss just the you know the four of us jiving. It's it's yeah. a it's good chemistry. So I'm glad that we're all all back in the same uh, little virtual room here. It's, yeah, it's, did, it's, it's, you did you happen yeah. to notice the outcry on the forum when when Jason wasn't there? Oh my God! There was just like weeping. You could actually physically see the people crying at the keyboards, <laughs> typing. I want Mr. Wood. Yeah, and, yeah, all three of them. <laughs> no, well, no. I honestly, I think it's a little bit more than that. It's getting kind of scary now. It is. So, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to cut him off. No, I know. The thing was, I, I said I would never moderate the forum, but I swear, if I see one more, oh yeah, Jason comment, I swear I'm gonna delete it. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm well right. rested and uh, and we, ready to chat some comics. We did miss you. I, I will say that we did miss you, and and I will miss you this weekend, too. Uh, yeah, bringing me down already. Uh, well, you know we have to state the facts. This this weekend is a CGS Super Show, and David and Mister Wood will not be there. So they make oh, me love them. Oh, Chris? What? what am, yeah, I'm fucking chop liver over there. Oh, no, you're you're out in freaking. <laughs> You know, Windy City. You're not gonna yeah, yeah. I, I, I own it. I paid for a ticket. I, I was expecting to go. A few artists did commissions for me that I'm supposed to pick up, but I had to, uh, had to nip it in the bud. We close on our new house next Friday, so got a lot of stuff to get done. Well, stop spending money. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to go to Super Show. And, oh, thanks, and, man. Yeah, and good luck to, uh, to the CGS guys. I hope Super Show goes extremely well for them. That's a lot of, lot of hard work that goes into that. You bet. Quarter books, name of the game. I spent the entire week, and this is going to be something I'm going to talk about later on in the show, but I spent the entire week making sure all my comics were in the freaking comic base. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, how do you guys catalog your comics? You just pen and paper? Do you use any electronic catalog? Catalog? Are you, you fucking serious? You don't? Well, you know, I have Jeez, like... No. I have 30,000 comic books. I need a way to track these things. And just to, because I don't know what I have. Shit, I have holes in my Legion run. I I don't know which books I'm missing unless I look at a piece of paper. And so I, I'm, I'm plunking all these numbers in Comic Base, which is the most bloated, expensive, piece of shit program for cataloging comics on the Why? Because it only works on Windows? Well, that's another thing. You know, I, I was buying the program since Jesus must be like release three and then when they put the Mac version on I was all over it because you know let's use a stable operating system to, to work <laughs> in so I, I I jumped over to the Mac side and everything was great and then up in I think they supported the Mac up until version oh. nine yeah and then after that 10 on they well we're not going to make Mac versions anymore which kind of pissed me off but anyway thanks to the miracle of the Mac Pro, you can dual boot in the Windows, so I still use Comic Base, but it is a horrible, horrible program. Using a pen and paper to track your books would be far more efficient than this thing. Oh, there goes that sponsor. Well, I don't care. I tell it like it is. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm threatening to learn Visual Basic just so I can write my own. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, mm. because the problem with the thing is, it, it's it 
loads the entire database of books on your disk. You can't say, well, you know, I don't collect little Lulu. I don't want that shit on my hard drive. It dumps the whole gigantic bloated database of books. And every time you search for something, it has to search the whole database. And then when you save your collection, it saves the whole database. It's, it's a dumb way of doing it. But whatever. I'm just rattling on and on here. But um, the end of the story is I still don't know what I have. Okay? I, hundred, I hundred, actually, hundred and some bucks, for some, and I for don't some know reason, what I have. For some reason, in my head, I've got a pretty good idea of the comic books I have. Yeah. Now, I don't have 30,000 comic books, but I've got a pretty good idea of what I have. Yeah, but you're <laughs> not old. See, I'm well, I much, not much younger than you. I can't remember what I bought last week. You know, but that's why I'm buying shit. You buy so old. many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, I buy a lot of books, but still, like I said, I'm a big Legion fan, and for how many different series of Legion came out, I, I cannot tell you what I have, what I don't have, unless I look at my list. And you know, unfortunately, I try to print a report of what I need, and the damn program is locks up and it doesn't it gives me errors and it's bullshit so through comic base Vince is so angry tonight well, if you yeah. spent like uh, you, let, let's be honest a lot of time entering books how long does it take to enter 30,000 books yeah, yeah it does you know you don't have the little barcode reader but the uh, <laughs> but I mean but they're also your, your options are pretty limited when it comes to a Mac based catalog exactly, system which is why we should write a program me and I'm you down. Okay. Right. visual basic how hard can it be Basic? Oh, God. Just tell me what you're drinking. All right. <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes into the show. We were drinking. This is real life, man. All right, Wood, I'm sure you picked up some wonderful Florida concoctions on your trip. What do you What do you got for us this week? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm drinking uh, Chimay Ale tonight. Uh, for oh, those of you who you're familiar, I assume. Oh, my gosh. I've got one in the fridge right now that, uh, that uh, Marta and I have been saving for... Uh, uh, for some some meal some weekend that's that's good beer man really good beer yeah it's yeah. uh and it's a uh, very fitting for someone uh, such as myself because it's uh, actually made by Belgium Trappist monks so oh. you know and obviously they and they and I have a lot in common seeing as how they're uh, devout Catholic monks and, I can see uh, it so, yeah that's, so it's, that's, it's very compatible yep that's a beer with a cork in it man I think it's the <laughs> robe that you know yeah I thought it was the bald head. <laughs> <laughs> did, did did you get one of the the, the large bottles with the with the cork and yeah. all that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. Good all right, stuff. Mr. Uh, Mr. Price, I am almost out. Damn, uh, vanilla rum and coke. Ooh, that sounds I, very tasty. It it really is. Uh, we were at the liquor store the week before last. Renee was looking for something different. She had finished off her Bacardi Select, so she cracked this open. It's <laughs> apropos. It's a uh, the company is Mount Gay. It's Mount Gay Rum Vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> we're three year olds right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it means happy. Yes. <laughs> Nice. Well, you have to let me know if there's an actual name for that drink, David. So I'm sure. I'm if sure if I don't, I'm, yes, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure someone will definitely. Well, we just call it the John McCain. How about that, uh, dude? Ooh. Dude, I like it. I like this. Let's let's not go oh, okay. there. Okay. <laughs> Mister Mister B, what do you got? I'm drinking traditional Yingling Lager in a well, can. You- unfortunately, my wife. In? 
Yeah, I, it wasn't my call. She she went to the 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 beer garden. That shows my age right there. I've, I've probably had forty eight kegs worth of Yingling in my life, and I think none of it's ever come in a canned form. I know it's there's something missing. Baffled. I know. Uh, and before, did you guys ever have Mountain Dew Revolution? That new wild berry one with no. the ginseng. Oh, it is awesome. Is it? Yes, it's really good. I've, I don't drink soda, man. Get out. I want, yeah, only only with bourbon. Oh. Huh. Ser- yeah, yeah, seriously. Well, the only I, Mountain I have, Dew I've ever really liked was the Code Red from a couple of years back. Oh, see, <laughs> my buddy Mike likes that Code Red stuff. I didn't get into that at all. But I guess the deal is you have to vote for which flavor you like the best. They released three new ones. Vote for the Revolution, even if you're not drinking it, because I want this stuff around. <laughs> you know, usually when I find something I like, I always say, I, like, I want to stick my dick in it. I want to stick my dick in the Mountain Dew. Vince is buying this by the cage just in case it doesn't win. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you drinking, Chris? This week, and uh, (laughs) you can find the recipe for this at ifanboy.com in my weekly column, Comic Shots, where I pair up a uh, tasty cocktail and an even tastier comic book recommendation. And uh, this week's drink selection is a Rebel Yell. And it is uh, uh, bourbon, lemon juice, triple sec, and an egg white. So that's actual egg is is one of the ingredients in this. That's uh that's uh shaken real hard and poured over uh over ice in an old fashioned glass. And I tell you what, it's uh you guys you guys the egg may may scare you off, freak you out a little bit, but it is good. This is <laughs> rapidly becoming one of my favorite cocktails. It is uh it is like a creamy, awesome whiskey sour. <laughs> It is so good, and uh, the uh, the comic shots article is is already up. You can check that out at ifanboy.com dot com and uh, talked uh, talked up some fear agent yes. and uh, and EC by association. So um, it was uh, is actually one of the funner articles I've been able to write over there because it's uh, um, one one comic one uh, modern comic I love and some old comics that I've grown to have an amazing an appreciation for so uh, yeah go check that out so Bill, Billy Idol is in Fear Agent <laughs> uh-huh. oh <laughs> uh, uh, uh. no it's Bourbon Month at Comic Shots it, uh, four weeks it's Bourbon in a row. Month it's, it's a Chris <laughs> Neesman article and it's Bourbon Month it's Bourbon yeah, okay. Month way so, to limit so. yourself so, so each each and Tony Moore is an artist on Fear Agent he's from Kentucky oh Kentucky I Bourbon. see there's a connection there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the last thing I drank with an egg in it was an orange Julius. Ooh, okay. Yeah, remember when they used to put the eggs in it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I love the orange Julius. Yep. Wow, baffled. Long, long, long time ago. Showing your age, buddy. I think it was the same day I bought my Jethro Tull Aqualung vinyl album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was the day I was born. <laughs> it could be. Right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you know, one of the things I found about Fear Agent this week because I went back and I read uh, I read probably the first two arcs and maybe a little bit more is that at, at first at first glance you think of that as being kind of an homage to weird science or the big sci-fi uh, EC books but man it's more it's more frontline combat and two-fisted tales than it is 
uh, weird science. I was I was really kind of um, kind of woken up to the fact that that you know just how much of the of the war comics are are carried over in Fear Agent. It was it was really kind of fun to to kind of uh, put them side by side and just look at the art styles and and uh, and really kind of uh, tear these you know tear these old comic books apart. It was mm-hmm. it was fun. It was a fun week of of reading a lot of EC comics. Nice. Speaking of, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to add something. Uh, in this previews, Fantagraphics mm-hmm. is publishing a hardcover collection of Blazing Combat. Wow, really? Yeah, and it's it's incredibly cheap too. It's like uh, twenty two ninety five or something like that. That for a hardcover of Blazing Combat, does it get any better than that? I don't know. And with the, with the discount, you figure you're going to spend around fifteen bucks for it, fourteen. Mm-hmm. No brainer. Speaking yeah. of previews, Vince, uh, last week your little chat about Lucha Libre, much much love because I, I don't think I would have noticed the uh, price tag on that, and uh, I, I've been wanting to pick that up, but I just couldn't bring myself to spend six ninety nine on an issue. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ordering that puppy up from DCBS this month for sure. I am alert. Sometimes you are. <laughs> you are. Sometimes. So what do we got? What are we reading? What you got? What you got? Um, well, since I wasn't here last week, I'll throw it out there. Um, last week on vacation, I got to read a ton of good stuff, and it was unintentionally, it turned out to be pretty much a crime noir comic week. Um, cool. I started off with all five volumes of Gotham Central, <laughs> which uh, was kick-ass and uh, made me extremely sad for the fact that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's because but, you didn't buy it whenever it came out, Wood. Ian, it's, it's your uh, fault. That's my fault. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> and uh, I read Fell, which I had never read before. Which uh, now, now, what's the story with Fell? Because are they still? Is it still technically being released? Yeah, or? actually, the uh, the other day, uh, Warren Ellis sent out another email just with a little bunch of. Uh, brain bullet point type deals and he said that uh, he was talking about I think either Miller he was talking about another writer but then he uh, he commented that it took him like I think three hours to bang out one page of a fell script so he is still working on it I don't in this case I don't think it's Temple Smith Temple Smith mm-hmm. schedule that might be holding it up as much as it is Warren's but uh, mm-hmm. he's still working on it so yeah it's, it's still it- Coming or out see, there? Did I see? Is, is did Temple Smith sign some sort of exclusive deal? Mm-hmm. With, Who did he sign IDW? that? IDW. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think IDW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that gonna? Is that gonna screw up his work on Fell? I presume so. Yeah, I think that's that probably would, what that, that, that would be interesting because it's. Um, you know, normally when someone from Marvel or DC sign an exclusive, they just can't work for their main mainstream competitor, but they can go and do work for the other guy. Yeah. So that, that's interesting that someone who's exclusive to IDW, if they could work for mm-hmm. anybody, let alone the nearest main competitor. I, well, I tell you what, I, I would, I would, I would be not crushed. That's that's probably overstating things, but um, I would be really upset if 
if Image totally abandoned the slimline format. Yes. The 16-page, $2 comic, I think, is one of the best values in comics. And with the right creative teams, I feel like I get more comic and more bang for my buck with Fell and Casanova than I do with a lot of other comics. Mm-hmm. That's true. For another 50 cents, you can always buy Charlatan Ball, which is very good, too. Mm, true. But it's still uh, so it says, it says Temple Smith signed an exclusive in April, and he will be um, he'll be writing and drawing an exclusive book um, miniseries called Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. He'll also be putting out Welcome to Hoxford this month, and working on a few other projects. Yeah, so I guess he probably isn't going to be doing Fell anymore, just like you said, David. Well, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or or maybe you know, I mean, at the rate. Ellis is going. Maybe by the time the exclusive runs out, the next issue will <laughs> be. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's it's. I don't. You know, I mean, it's. We love the slimline format, but it's. Uh, you know, when it comes to something like that, with only however sixteen pages or so, and and is something like that, even though they're only there's still only the two titles, right, Casanova and Fell. Yeah, that that were under that we'll, format. When was the last time one of them came out? I know, I know. So, would you would you think that something like that from either of those, but some the bang for your buck you get with that is that worth the wait? I think so. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not something that's gonna. I'm sorry. It's not something that uh, that you'll. It's not an ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk where it's like three years later and it's like, okay, well, where, you know, I just forgot where the story was going. I mean, these are pretty much, they're all, I mean, Casanova, when the issues were coming out, were, were coming out at a pretty regular clip. Fell was pretty much self-contained each issue. They all kind of connected one way or the other, but you didn't need to worry about, well, what, what the hell did I read eight weeks ago that I need to remember for this issue? Yeah. Hey, hey, Jace. Chase, yeah. we, we've been talking about Fell on Around Comics for, shit, probably two years. Uh, since, since it started, started yeah. Since it came yeah. out, and I know a lot of other people. Why, uh, and this is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, this is not uh, me, you know, busting your chops or anything. Mm-hmm. Why did you wait so long to read Fell? Just, uh, no, I mean, no, no real reason. I, I, I have probably 30, 40 trades of stuff that I missed when it first came out, you know, that I have ordered at different times that I've been stacking up just because I'm so behind in my reading and uh, I just grabbed a stack of, you know, nine, ten trades to bring on vacation with me and uh, Fell was one of them and, you know, had I had I tried a, an issue or two out of it it's obviously was so good, I, I, I would have just bought it and read, I, I, I kind of regret not buying it in, in monthly because I get the sense it would have read pretty well that way, but uh, yeah, no reason, I mean, you know, you read as many comics as, as we do and, and something's exactly. about to fall through the cracks. Yeah. It's uh you know Tom uh is is a big fan of the 12 and I keep mm. hearing great things about it and the the first hardcover came out this week and I'm like okay I can finally read it cuz it's one that I decided when it first came out I got the first issue loved it and decided it's like you know what this is going to be something I'm going to want in trade or hardcover so I so I stopped buying it and it, it's just kind of interesting how you decide when you will or won't read certain Oh, excuse me. I'm burping up some <laughs> rebel yell there. Uh, but, I think you're uh, burping up some egg. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Say that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of interesting to see the patterns of, of when people 
do and don't decide to to buy something yeah. in single issues. It's it just interests me. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say the the of all the things I read this this past week, and I, I definitely got to read some great stuff. Um, the thing that I thought was far and away the best was uh, Jeff Lemire's uh, second volume of his Essex County um, series. You know, his, yeah. his, I mean that was unbelievable. Um, it's called really? Ghost Stories, Essex County Volume Two, Ghost Stories. It's uh, loosely tied to the first one, which was Tales from the Farm. <clears throat> and it's essentially a story of two Canadian brothers who um, who are pretty much very, very old at this point. And, uh, and it reflects back on different moments of their lives that you know, times when they were close, times when they weren't close, what caused them to be kind of distant, what caused them to come back together later in life. And it's just, I mean, Jeff Lemire has got such an amazing future in this business. He's, it, it's hard for me to... to Articulate the way that he can capture um, the emotional spectrum in in such a you know I would say people that might look at the book and think it's pretty simply illustrated, but he does so much with so few lines. It's it's just really impressive. Yeah, he he, ca- he captures an emotion, and there is just like this raw trueness to mm-hmm. his storytelling style. I just read uh, volume one. And I've got uh, I've got volume two coming in an in, in stock trades order hopefully tomorrow. So it's well, what uh, did you think? Oh, I I love the first one. I thought it was yeah. uh, I thought it was a uh, extremely um, touching story of of kind of two interesting relationships um, between uh, uh, you know the 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 young the the young boy and his and his uncle. And and yeah. then uh, and then with the uh, with, with the the guy the hockey player who I think is one of the uh, one of the yes. characters in the second volume, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the uh, uh, Tales from the Farm is it's a very quick read, but I think it's one that you can read a couple times and get mm-hmm. a better appreciation. And the art is um, there's more than what you see on the surface value of that art. Yeah, very very subtle stuff. Mm-hmm. Be kind of understated too at times. It's oh, it's yeah. beautiful and it's it's brilliant work. And and the third, the third of the trilogy. It's a trilogy. The Country Nurse just came out, I think. Um, or or it's and who, just and, and who publishes this wonderful piece of work? Top shelf. <laughs> Got it. Aptly named. Yep. So what have you guys been reading? Lots of stuff. Uh, yeah. This this week I. N- a little bit less than usual because we're getting all getting ready for the weekend. But uh, the football season, gearing up for your fantasy draft. Oh yeah, I had to make out my picks, you know. And Brandon no- Jacobs, baby, hundred and eleven <laughs> yards tonight. I think. Woo! Who is that man? No idea what you people are talking about. <laughs> we went to we went to SIU Carbondale, baby. Go dogs! The the two things I read are at the complete opposite ends of the comic book spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, I finally finished uh, John Colsar's Wicked and Imp, as I've been threatening to uh, to <laughs> talk about. And, and on the other end, I read, uh, I got caught up finally on um, Phil Hester's The Darkness from Top Cow with Ooh. Michael Broussard. I mean, they couldn't be more unlike each other. Very different books, but a lot of good stuff here. Um did you know, and David's going to get a ooh out of this, that uh, Dale Keown is doing flashback stories within the darkness? 
I thought he was doing covers. He's he's doing covers, but th- there are instances where it, it's almost like a darkness uh, year one, where okay. uh, Hester's trying to flesh out certain details of the character, and he does it through flashbacks, mm-hmm. where uh, the darkness, who uh, still Jackie Estacado, um, raised by the mob. Uh, infused with the curse of the darkness, blah, blah, blah. He is sent on a mission from the mob to take out this chemical engineer that had promised the mob that he would augment their weapons and and uh, make them, you know, pump up their, their uh, offensive capabilities. And not only did he uh, promise Jackie's faction of the mob, he was working other groups of the mob too. So it all came back to bite him on the ass. And uh, when Jackie confronts him, he was sent to kill him, basically. He ends up making a deal with the guy because uh, Jackie reveals to... His name's Kirshner. Jackie reveals to him that he has the darkness, but Kirshner also reveals that uh, he can do some pretty neat things with chemicals. So they uh, form a certain kind of alliance here and ultimately end up going to a South American country and synthesizing drugs from Jackie's body fluids. You know, because he 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 has the darkness, he can fabricate armor, weapons, entities, and and the stuff that leaks off him. The guy, the Kirshner uh, chemical engineer guy, finds a way to to create a highly addictive drug from it. The, that's the thing about Hester's darkness. The concepts are just wacky. I mean, he's taken the darkness places where no one has has taken it before so so he gets to this south american country and overthrows the the local uh bigwigs sets up a little banana republic and attracts the <laughs> ire of the local rebel faction so he's got the rebels trying to take him out and on the same time the united states government pairs up with the rebels to try and depose jackie uh I guess that uh, when you when you are cursed with the darkness, you can't have relations with a, a mortal woman. So another really neat concept is Jackie fabricates a woman out of the darkness, <laughs> named her, named L, which is you know it's kind of neat. And um, he gets intimate with her, and at the end of the fourth issue, I'm I mean it's probably not spoiling it for anyone who has read this. She's pregnant. What is that going to do? The, a, a being created out of darkness is pregnant mm. with Jackie's child. That is so cool. The concept is neat, you know? Let me interject here. Um, this might baffle you, but but I know nothing about the darkness. So what is the darkness? The, well, the dar- there's, it's part of the Witchblade universe. The, the well, sure, Witchbl- I, right, but, but I just don't right, know. But, it, there's but, but a, it's tied in with the Witchblade. It's very closely tied in with the Witchblade. The darkness is... Uh, obviously the forces of dark you have the Angelus who are the forces of light the heavens centurions and the witchblade is a combination of both it's the balance between darkness and light that's why the uh, Sarah Pizzini had a child with from Jackie Estacado because the child is the is actually the the will probably be this great arbiter between these opposing forces so you have a, a kind of mythology between all the not all of the but a lot of the top cow titles where you have forces of darkness, forces of light, and the Witchblade is in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So and the, and what he dark, can do is... And I was going to say, the darkness has been a series that has been really cool. It's been really terrible. And it's been in between. It's, it's had a lot of bumps in the right. road well, on the way. Let's be honest, so has Witchblade. 
Oh, sure. Richblade has never, ever been as good as it is now under Ron Mars. But there were times, it it may have looked pretty, but oh, just to read an issue was like torture. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, But you have to give them credit for sticking it out this long. There's a lot of history behind these books. But anyway, Jackie Estacado is the darkness, and what he can do is he can materialize anything out of the darkness. He can make a weapon that shoots projectile projectiles he can make a you know a sword armor he can create these demonic entities out of the out of the the stuff and in um in the latest issue of the current run the entities turn on him dr kirshner and his uh pseudo woman have formed another alliance and get his minions to turn on him so i there's no telling where this book is going to go it's very unpredictable and hester's doing a hell of a job Hell of a job. I'll give you the credits, just in case these names may be familiar. Um, Phil Hester's writing it. Pencils by Michael Broussard. Inks by Ryan Wilson. Flashback sequences by Dale Keown. And is that how you say it? Keown? Keown. 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 That's what I always said, yeah. Uh, Keown. That would be right. Okay. And uh, Joe Weems, another name uh, from the Image Days. Colors by Matt Miller. Get out of here. So you know it's pretty. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and like David said, Keon has been Keon has been doing some covers there, and uh, St- uh, Stephen Sedgwick has also been providing some covers. But it's a really really good book. It's very entertaining. Um, there's no warning on the front cover, but it's not for the kiddies. They use some potty language and there's a <gasps> lot of blood in it. Yeah, no nudity, unfortunately. I unfortunately, wish but. Uh, <laughs> it's not for kids. It's it's uh, even I would say the language is even more foul than when uh, Garth Ennis was writing it. Wow! Really? Yeah, they say f and all that stuff. So. Well, that, that, those that uh, the the creators on that definitely do get a uh, get an ooh from me. Oh yeah, when it's collected, I'm sure that they're going to do the same thing that they did with the Witchblade. And release the first edition at a bargain price just to get you hooked because it's it's that good. It's I, I would sacrifice a uh, a big two book just to keep this on my roster if I had to. Yeah. Do you? I didn't think you read any big two books anymore. I do. I read a lot of DC. And and for your information, I just added New Exiles to my pull list. Nice. You're the man for that. What's going on, brothers? This is. Jason Wood calling in today. Yes, I don't know. I'm Exile. Someone has to be. I, Wait, I don't who? know why. Who's drawing, who's drawing that? Uh, Tom uh, Grummet. Tom Grummet. Yep. Not not for much longer. Oh, really? Oh, no, I think this is good. I don't know if it's <laughs> been... I don't know if it's been announced oh. yet. Oh, so I can't say anything. 
Oh, well, that's nice. Dangle it in front of my face and don't let me bite. Well, yeah, I think he's referring to his buddy. Who? Who do you think? Dave Wachter. No, (laughs) I I don't know if it's been announced. I just heard kind of a rumor. So I'll have to tell you guys later. All right, that's great. All right. Sorry. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not cutting. I'm not cutting that part out. So thank no, you. No, it's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. If you're, so, oh, oh, great. If you're, good. If you're hinting about Scotty, apparently no, Scotty's no, original. No, oh, okay. no, no. It's not no. Scotty. It's not Mike Scotty. Norton. No, yeah, Scott, Norton, Scott, Norton's exclusive. I, t- so. I, t- I tell you what, though. Speaking about Scotty, that the Wizard of Oz stuff is looking awesome. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, be prepared to buy the the hardcovers. For uh, for Wizard of Oz, I, I can't imagine them not coming out with hardcovers. But um, the pages that he's put on his blog, if you have a chance to go see him, yeah, are yeah, absolutely. Oh God, they're gorgeous. So Scotty's talking about a hardcover. I'm going to have you pick me up a copy, have him sign it, and then I'll uh, pay you for it. Okay, I think I think we can probably arrange that. So they're not going to release it in monthly format. They're going to release it yes. in. Yes, it is going to be. It's going to be in monthlies, and then I, what, like I, said, I can't imagine them not releasing that as a hardcover. But it will be out. It will be released as a monthly as a monthly comic. Oh well, I've seen the pages, and I do agree they are amazingly beautiful. Why would you invest in the monthly when you know that they're going to be in a nice, beautiful? I think I definitely will wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some opinions on that, but mm-hmm. um, um, I I don't I can't figure it out. Um, and this is nothing I've talked to to, to Scotty about, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't just make it a graphic novel. I, well, I, I think I ne- the answer is cash flow, right? I mean, isn't that the answer? It's what, probably the, what is it? Cash flow, cash flow. You know, I mean, because Marvel's fucking hurting. <laughs> Wait, it's Marvel book? I didn't know it was a Marvel book. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mar- it's Marvel's it's Marvel's oh. Illustrated. Yeah. Oh, is, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, oh, then, yeah, oh that Scott, makes no Scotty's Scotty's exclusive to Marvel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So oh. this is you know like Roy Thomas's uh, Moby Dick and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. This is this yeah. is the same line of comics. This is Marvel's Illustrated. I uh, yeah, I actually bought the I bought Moby Dick in uh, in singles. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite. American novel, um, and who, I love Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas was on Chris Marshall's podcast um, mm-hmm. uh, a month ago, talking about the the illustrated. And he was it was a pretty cool interview, but he was pretty frustrated actually at, at, at how you know how poorly <laughs> the monthlies are doing. And, and Chris brought up the point, which we're kind of alluding to here, is well, it seems such a natural to put these out in nice hardcovers from the, from the get go. Oh, sure. Why not just do that? Uh, and he's writing like three of them, isn't he? Yeah, he did. He did Blast yeah, the Mohicans. Yeah. He did uh, Moby Dick, and was what Three uh, Musketeers or the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, I think Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Th- those comics aren't gonna. I think, I think Wizard of Oz will sell across the board. And here we are getting in, into sales and numbers stuff, which we probably shouldn't do. But yeah, um, briefly. Uh, it, it, I, I can't see like Moby Dick and Kenny Monte Cristo and as like classic Marvel Illustrated selling well in in, in comic shops. But sure, you think sure. about libraries and bookstores exactly. and that kind of stuff. That's where the market for those things is. So mm-hmm. why even why even mess with the single issues? Go go straight to you know I I'm not going to buy that stuff in single issues. I would consider buying a Moby Dick hardcover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, do you remember the original wave of Marvel Classic Illustrated books? They were one-shots. 
Yeah. And oh. and I can I can recall being in the classroom and the teacher passing those things out. She had a stack of them in the reading area, and if we were bored or you know homework was done and it was between subjects, we could go over and pick up a, a Marvel Classic Illustrated and read those. Mm-hmm. And uh, David, who did some of those covers? Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot like that, M- Mr. Green Lantern himself. I do remember Gil some of the Gil Kane ones, yeah. Yeah, I, I, they were Gil, awesome. Gil Kane is this was a fucking machine in yeah. the 70s when it came to Marvel covers. I don't think there wasn't a title he didn't do a cover for. I think well, that's really I, true. He'd crank him out. Yeah, I think of Gil Kane as being just a DC guy. I know. And hey, and his Spider-Man, his Amazing Spider-Man issues are some of my favorite. Go figure. I, I, I will say I don't think anyone has illustrated the beast more to my liking than Gil Kane. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The furry beast. Yep. Furry Speaking beast. of the beast, did you see that he's <laughs> that he's 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 morphing back into the uh the less cat like version? Yeah, well I mean the piss on Morrison's uh, run is not complete without that, so Yeah. Well it's just refraction threw in a little retcon in uh, issue five oh one. Just kinda subtly like the beast is cooked <sighs> cooking a meal for everybody and he's like I just it's like I woke up this morning with a lot more dexterity in my fingers so I thought I'd cook <laughs> <laughs> nice does it matter what he looks like he as long as he's bl- blue and furry does it matter if he's cat like and or you know traditional beast like it's still the same character oh, I'd, I'd like the personality to be there that was there in the right. Avengers really? days, yeah, you know, just that, uh, I crack the jokes, yeah. right? The quips, the hanging out. I mean, even the, the time he spent with 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 Wonder Man, but yeah. you know, he, he doesn't have to be this stuffy professor type character so much. Yeah, he's been through a lot. Is he? Did they really nail it down? Is he homosexual or not? No, I, no, I, I think he might be bi. He's, he's tagging that Agent Brand. Yeah, but. I don't. She's not. She, she's she's not exactly. You know, real <laughs> real heavy on the feminine side to me. So, what? Oh, she's got tits, so she's hot. It's it's like, dude. She can I'm, just. I'm, I'm, I'm out of touch. Didn't didn't they kill all the mutants not that long ago? No, not all of them. They had a couple hundred hanging around. Yeah. Just just for this. The great just so, mutant purge. Just so they could have. Like still- just so they could have like eight different X titles. Uh, I was in the speaking of the X titles. I'm in the comic shop today, and I said uh, I'm looking around the racks, and I, I asked the, the owner, "Is this cable series any good?" Because I really enjoyed. He cable. said, "Hell yeah!" And he said, "I don't know. I'm not reading it." <sighs> you know and, what? I and, <laughs> shop owner with some fucking taste, I guess. And, and he and and he has a definite bias against. Cable, it's palpable. Whenever I said cable, it was like I, 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 you know, questioned his masculinity. He did not like cable, and and he has this guy working with him there too. And he's like, "Ooh, cable, no, no." And and I said, you know, the Ladron Joe Casey cable run is probably one of my favorite runs in all of comics. And you're a smart man. Did not like it one bit. They said, "Oh, I dropped the book when when Casey came out." I, it was like an alternate universe. Where 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 bad comics are good and good comics are bad, <laughs> I, I just didn't get. It. But uh, it certainly looks beautiful. Is it any good? The new cable series? 
Mm. Oh, whatever really I funny. say, people are going to think is one thing. So no, you speak your mind. You like it. You say so. <laughs> I I I like the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish Ariel Olivetti drew more than well, and he did as the series progressed. Uh, I wish he drew more than four panels per page. But uh, it's next week you have King Size Cable Number One, which continues it, which actually has surprisingly, I don't know who in his studio drew this issue, but has pencils by Ken Lashley. I looked through that today at the shop. This No, this comes out next week. Well, I saw it at the shop. They had the... Oh, the preview. preview. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, it's uh, very detailed. I'll it say is. that. Yeah. And and Paul Neary on inks, so wow. maybe, maybe that's who's carrying it. But uh, the, um, you know, if it's right now, I definitely where Woods saying it's kind of one note. It's like you know, there's, there's been a half a dozen issues, and it's basically just Bishop chasing Cable. And if Ariel Olivetti also knew how to draw a baby, a, a newborn infant that's supposedly only a few weeks, not even a couple of months old, uh, I'm guessing this king size time has progressed because the baby is is a little older and and she's speaking. She calls him Nene and uh, and she says no, no jump when he asks her to jump down and so she's talking. I'm not sure when exactly through all the different forward jumps Cable's been making that this happen, but uh, I'm waiting for it to uh, now that the first arc is done, I'm, I'm waiting for, for the next step. I have I have faith in, in Swarzynski. I know he's he's got a plan. I just wanted something a little... would have been nice to have something with a little bit more visually appealing. Now, do we see any familiar faces in the book? Uh, you, Domino, Bishop, anybody? Not Bishop, Domino. You see, you see a, you do see a familiar face, and I think the second or third or third and fourth issue, he makes an appearance, and uh, and it was it was pretty cool. He's basically he's he's the only one still around, at least in this timeline. I don't I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's uh, it was it was a pretty cool appearance. Now. I'm a total noob on on recent Marvel events. As you know, is the child Jean Grey or not? Do we, ha, have they said for sure? Haven't haven't said anything. It's it's got red hair, so people are going to guess that. But wait a uh, minute, can't Grey? Why not? She's a Phoenix Resurrection. I'll I'll stop reading X books for the first time in my life if it's Jean Grey. Oh, good Marvel! Don't do it. You got to be a supporter here. I'd be so retarded if it's Jean Grey. Uh, it could be it Rachel. Could be, see, I thought it was going to be Rachel. That, that's because, still could be. see, it would be a neat little twist because isn't Cable Madeline Pryor's son, and right. Nate Grey was Jean's son? Correct. So to saddle Cable with his, not his mother's son, but with Jean's, that's a nice little twist on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so anyway. I don't know. And uh, I have to side with David on Ariel Olivetti. I love his work. But, yeah, sometimes four panels per page is a little bit pushing it in, in terms of decompression. It, I, I, like, uh, I like a lot of panels per page. And that's my segue, getting back to Wicket and Imp. Speaking of, speaking of furry and a lot of panels per page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
there is no decompressed storytelling in this book. Let me tell you, minimum ten, sometimes fifteen panels per page. It's it's crazy the the amount of uh, work that John Colsar has put into this book. In short, he as a child he had a stuffed animal called Wicket. That that was his little you know security thing. Was was this stuffed thing called Wicket? And whenever I say Wicket, it, it's it it always strikes me how much Star Wars has permeated my my person because whenever I say Wicked, I want to say the Ewok, you know. But no, <laughs> I'm it, so sorry. I know it's it's Wicked and Imp. So he he had the bright idea of taking this character that's been with him since he was a kid. I guess you can call it a sticky Wicket. And see how I did that. And and actually make and there's no response. And and actually make. Comic stories. You, you lost us at the Ewoks, dude. <laughs> and and actually make comic stories based on his childhood friend, and that's that's exactly what this book is. It's a guy trying the. Do we have everyone here? Did anyone I'm leave? Here. It sounds no. like I'm here. I think uh, Chris might have stepped good. to get a drink. No, okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. He he's a, a a man, an artist, testing the limits of the art form. You, you look through the book and a lot of things work and there are unfortunately some things that don't work but it's always in the spirit of exploring the art form of comics it's really neat you read the book from beginning to end and you can actually see the progression sometimes between this, the space of two pages of, of this guy's style it, it's very cool it's loaded with pop culture references and geek humor potty humor and just sight gags it's a lot of fun you know you could tell that this is a child of the uh, John is is a child of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Transformers and stuff and because it, it it's this stuff is steeped in it um, but looking at his art style it's it's I have to say it's very unique a lot of it would not be out of place in the margins of a high school student's notebook. Almost like trance doodling, like a, a comic book equivalent of automatic writing where he just loads some panels with thousands of little tiny lines and, and shapes. And then you'll have other panels where it's, you, would, you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be out of place on a, a newspaper comic page. But uh, it's basically Wicket and Imp and their adventures and slapstick humor. And but it, it's it's a beautiful book in 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 the spirit of exploring what comics can be and what they do. I love this book. I really do. I think he did a fantastic job. And like I said, are you guys familiar with automatic writing? Mm-mm. What that is, what that is? It's when you clear no. your mind, put pencil to paper, and just write. You, you don't think whatever uh. words. Whatever words, a lot of the idiots that profess to be channelers claim that that's the way that they receive information by channeling spirits. It's a bunch of bullshit. But uh, some, sometimes your subconscious can take over without you knowing it, and, and all these words just come out on the page. This is almost like automatic cartooning. It's this guy's being. It's, it's who he is on a comic book page, and it's a lot of the jokes fall flat. A lot of the jokes are really funny, but it's him. It's unvarnished. It's uh, great. It's, a, it's an excellent little book. Wicketandimp.com Tell, tell him 11 o'clock say, yeah. whatever he charges for this book, it's not enough. 
because it's it's more than 200 pages of densely packed cartooning and you can see the the uh it's a journey it's a journey th of an artist from uh beginning to uh whatever the the time of the last page was and you can see this guy mature over the course of the book sometimes he he uses um it it's like he almost sat down to draw whatever he had on hand there's some pages that look like they were done in pencil some are done on the computer like there's gray tones in it some look like they were done with the the worst kind of marker you can ever imagine but hmm. it's immediate it, i it's there's something really special about this book i wish i could articulate it more what i find so intriguing about this but pick it up for yourself go to his website and and take a look at his work it's great really good stuff yeah but is it better than uncle scrooge <laughs> Sorry, John, but <laughs> no, it's not better than Uncle Scrooge. And, and it, w what is better? You know, I, I don't think you can compare this to Uncle Scrooge because there's two different, two entirely different goals. But it's it's as enjoyable. I well, there you go. It. Yeah, I love it. I like it a lot, and I'm so glad that I uh, I stumbled upon it. We were in Wizard World Chicago, and it was sitting on on a coffee table in the lobby of the hotel. And Andy Jewett was there, and I said, "That looks really intriguing because he's got Wicket on the front, and he's half cybernetic like Deathlock, and he's got some <laughs> com computer um, aided uh, backgrounds going on, some CGI backgrounds, I guess you can call." It. And uh, Andy said, "No, it's my friend John's book. Take it." And I did, and. Chris will tell you that first night that we were in the hotel, I fell asleep reading the thing because I, I, I didn't want to put it down. Yeah, it good. but you fell asleep in my warm embrace. And that's yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. yeah between, yeah. between that book and, and Chris, you were sandwiched pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have done without the drooling, though. I did not like that. But anyway, what else we got? Uh, I got something that's not a comic book. Um, it's a uh, it's a website that uh, that I have absolutely fallen in love with, and it's uh, it's something Suicide we mentioned. Girl. Like, like no. apartment? <laughs> no, no. We, I think we. I may have mentioned it last. I, mean, I know I mentioned it on the last couple uh, episodes of Around Comics, but um, Andy Parks is doing a daily blog, and it's mm -hmm. at Andy mm -hmm. Parks, and he spells his name A N D E, not A N D Y. So it's A N D E Parks dot dot com, and it is a daily blog where Andy takes a panel from one of his pages of original art and talks about what's important about that that page or that panel or the artist. Um, and and often the inker because you know Andy while he's a pretty a pretty awesome writer is primarily known as an inker and and he loves the, the craft oh absolutely and he he really loves the craft of of inking um, there's there's two people in this world that I know that can look at a page and tell you probably who inked it, and that's Andy Parks and David Price and <laughs> seriously I know, you and, can't and, slide Vince though. Um, <laughs> You know, oh, David, I think you you have you have a passion for inkers that that your average comic fan doesn't have, and and I hear the same things from from Andy when I've when I've talked to him about it. But uh, go check out his uh, AndyParksBlogspot.com. It is a daily history lesson on the great artists, both both pencilers and inkers in comics and you're going to see some stuff that will blow your freaking mind um last a uh, couple days ago he had a um a panel from 
a a style guide, the DC style guide from um, um, uh, Garcia Lopez. Uh, his, <laughs> yeah, his style his style guide for Aquaman, Ooh. and and I think it's inked by uh, Giordano. I, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a uh, uh, Garcia Lopez inked by Giordano, and it is it is so beautiful. He's got uh, John. John Buscema, um, Conan panels. Oh, the one by Alcala, yeah, uh, inked by Alfred oh. Alcala, yeah. Um, he's had one. He's had one uninked um, piece in there, and it is um, it's a piece of, and all of this is original art that that Andy owns, and uh, it's a Neil Adams uh, Conan sketch that is just blow your mind like Michelangelo beautiful so I mean every every day is, is a little is a little art gift and uh, so yeah go, go check that out and, and you, you you won't regret it each day is yeah. is a neat little history lesson today Kirby <laughs> who? Uh-uh. yeah who? <laughs> who? yeah and, and, and it's odd, oddly enough you should mention Andy Parks he had a book come out today did he not Yes, he did. He and uh, he and Phil um, El Diablo uh, from oh, DC. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, yeah. first issue, and it's a uh, 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 Giant Nitz is uh, is the writer on it. And I actually was about halfway done reading it before uh, before we started recording tonight. So um, liked what I had read so far. And you know, Phil and Andy, art wise, you can't go wrong. They're they're the best. I love them. Yep. What a team. Oh, oh yeah. Is, is there? Is there another team out there in comics that I mean that is so closely connected? Uh, a penciler uh, and, and inker team. I mean, the last one I can Alan remember. Davis and Mark Farmer. Okay, yeah. um, the last one I can remember is you know Byrne and Terry Austin. Yeah, you know, when I was oh. growing up, you know there are those great teams. But yeah, Phil and Andy are definitely definitely one of those great penciler inker teams. How about writers? I was going to say Abnett and Lanning, but. Miller and Jansen. <laughs> there you go, Miller Jansen. So, um, what's the other thing I've been? Oh, well, I've been busy with other stuff this week. Yeah, I would imagine. You got. It's, it's almost <laughs> as like if it was scripted. Yeah, I, I would imagine. You know, it's like boy. And is it? And 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 there's a. I oh, when is it? It's it's is it like November? Is it what what day is uh, it again? Bad jokes <laughs> keep getting worse. Do you guys do you guys mind you guys mind if I let everyone know about the uh, the Windy City Comic Con here real quick? Of course not. Okay, yeah, mind. Uh, real quick, October twenty fifth at the Center on Halstead, which is two blocks east of Wrigley Field, in the heart of Chicago's Wrigley Field neighborhood. Uh, we uh, around comics, and and I guess eleven o'clock comics. I'll, I'll represent both there. Um, we'll be we'll be proud to uh, be a part of the Windy City Comic Con. It is Chicago's only comic book convention, and uh, the the show will be taking place from uh, ten a.m. to six. PM admission is only five dollars, which is a freaking steal mm-hmm. because we're going to have twelve of the area's uh, top publishers, not publishers, uh, exhibitors. We're going to have two publishers there, um, Avatar, and um, I'll go ahead and say it. It's not confirmed, but DDP is going to be there in in some respect. I believe they're going to have a booth, but I'll, I'll know for sure on Monday. But um, uh, we're going to have uh, twelve of the best area exhibitors there and you'll be able to get great deals on new issues collected editions uh, games toys uh, apparel 
the the whole the whole kit and caboodle and tons and tons of back issues in our guest list and i'm just going to mention a few of them you can uh all this information go to windycitycomiccon.com and uh it's comiccon spelled c-o-m-i-c-o-n um some of our special guests we've got uh jeffrey brown don kramer will pfeiffer scotty young gene ha mike norton tim seeley uh hillary barda curse burnham uh francesco uh doug klauba um rich kozlowski who did the king for Mm -hmm. uh top shelf and he is awesome and he Uh, uh he also mm -hmm. recently wrote uh the omega flight serial in marvel comics presents just throw the marvel connection out there there you go. He has three Stop. fingers. Uh, um, the awesome sauce, Pat Loika, is going to be there. Nice. Uh, Dave Wachter, nice. Boy, and uh, and several more yet to be announced. So October 25th at the Center on Halstead. Go to WindyCityComicCon.com and uh, pre-register, buy your tickets, uh, plan to come on out. It is going to be an awesome, awesome day. <laughs> Hey, 11 o'clock comments, this is Tom Morris calling from a little review of this year's Dragon Con. It was fantastic. Uh, we had a lot of great surprises. Gerald Way actually showed up, not as a announced guest, but just as as a guy wanting to go to a convention. And if you check on uh, various uh, live journals, you'll see a lot of photos of him with pink hair, which I thought a lot of people were very excited about seeing, you know, not only because of Mike and Cronus, but of course for Umbrella Academy. Uh, for great swag I got, I got an, my wife and I got a nice bootleg uh, copy of the Smurfs, the entire series, since for some reason that still has not been released yet. Also, and uh, this is, I think you guys will love the best, Don Rosa was there, and I got him to autograph my uh, copy of The Life and Time of Scrooge and Duck. He was quite imp- impressed that I had it. He said it's been forever, and he didn't think anyone was buying it which that sounds pretty sad. Also, a little sad note, no one was at his table. You could, there were huge lines of other people's you know, you know, comic tables, not a single one of his. And he had some of the best sketches. We wanted to buy one sketch of him drawing a really angry Donald Duck, although if I had a little more cash, I would have bought several of his sketches. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see him at, a, at any comic shows, please buy some of his work. It's great. He ha- He has a whole series of parodies of, of a classic Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby comic pa- par- uh, comic covers, but instead of like the Mighty Thor, it's the it's the Mighty Scrooge, or uh, instead of Daredevil, it's Duck Devil with Donald in the uh, yellow and red Daredevil costumes. And uh, like I said, it was a really good good show. I think everyone should try to make it down next year. I think, you know, once again, unlike a lot, you know, certain San Diego one, it's entirely fan run. It's uh, definitely not for profit. And uh, it's huge. We had four hotels spread out this year and there were still over 40,000 people there. But it wasn't like a big crammed into one big convention center like other cons. Also, plenty of good booze passed around as typical con parties go best costume in the show turned out to be a group of girls dancing while dressed as various Batman villainesses. Uh, there was plenty of girls dressed as Harley Quinn, along with a lot of um, Joker costumes this year. And uh, once again, there was quite a few uh, Marvel zombies the past couple of years. Uh, Marvel zombies have been a popular trend among the uh, con costumes. 
And let's see, last big news. Oh, uh, Keith R.A. DeCandido, who sat on a panel with me, uh, informed me he just signed a deal to do not not just a one-shot, but to do uh, write a whole uh, run for a Farscape comic that will be coming out later this year or probably next year. And I think that would be really good. Those of you familiar with his work, he's written a lot of uh, uh, movie novelizations and uh, worked on a simple and uh, for those who don't know what a symbol is, it's definitely it's one of the best uh, fan-written books about the history of the Avengers. Proceeds of that go to the Heroes Initiative. And if you're interested, you know, like, and if you're listening, Van, I hope you really get a uh, you know, kick out of some of your work being, as you told me, developed in a comic book as well. And I'd like to challenge everyone to read Sentinels by Van Allen Plexico. It's a, a book series he's written, which is kind of a his own take of a. Avengers-like squad. Uh, they're all being published now through a major publisher. That you mentioned Francesco. Is there a nicer guy in college? Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> he, he, he came up to me this year in Chicago and he said, hey, and, I, and maybe he didn't know my name, but for him to remember that he talked to me last year, and I'm thinking... Dude, do you know how good you are? Do you, do you not see the stuff that comes out of your pencil? The guy's fantastic, and he's just down to earth as anybody I've ever met. I, you know what? Uh, Frances- the the two things that Francesco probably uh, is most well known for, like art wise, that just cracks me up. It's she dragon. She uh, yeah yeah she um uh, she dragon and Veggie Tales. Yeah, <laughs> Veggie Tales really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he wow. does a lot of work for big ideas. So he's and and it's so funny because uh, Francesco, if you've if if you've ever had a chance to meet him, is what probably six one yeah. anyway oh, anyway yeah. um, bald and you know he, he could throw on a, a weather a weather jacket and be be a, a biker in like a heartbeat, but he is the biggest sweetheart and just oh, yeah. loves working on Veggie Tales like mm-hmm. more than you can imagine. And he is he is an absolute sweetheart. I love Francesco. And high energy. Oh yeah, I mean, he was yeah. he was like vibrating when I was when I was sitting <laughs> watching him. Just so enthusiastic about comics. I love the guy. Yep. And he draws like a mother. Yeah. Oh, God, is he talented. <laughs> it doesn't oh, help. He's so good. So, yeah, I'm actually wanting to score a, uh, a nice Francesco sketch this year. Nice. And, and not, a, not a Bob the Tomato. I want to get... Uh, um, I want to. I want to get uh, probably a Green Lantern sketch or something like that from him. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> yep, yep. So all sorts of good stuff. Actually, uh, uh, why don't you get a Veggie Tale as a Green as a Green Lantern? There you or... go. There you go. <laughs> that, that would be, be so cool. That be. Yeah, I ran into uh, to Don Kramer tonight. He was signing at Challengers Comics on Western Avenue, and I had uh, to go in there because they're one of the exhibitors that's that's going to be there, and uh, and he's he's looking forward to it. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. I man. thought I, I I thought I heard something outside, but that was just Chris dropping names. Absolutely. For this one, I'll I'll be dropping for the next six weeks. So, ting <laughs> ting ting. I know Tom's rolling his eyes as he's listening to this. It's like oh, so a list. Like, oh. Oh, shut up! So, all right, let's talk about comics. What else we got? Oh, jeez, David, what have you read? Mm. Yeah, okay, get me while I'm drinking. Um, <laughs> Which it is was pretty much all the time. <laughs> oh, well, you know, especially during this <laughs> show. The uh, yeah, the weekend was pretty much shit. So uh, the only thing I read that I figured would put me in in a happy place. 
was um, I reread the first two chapters of New Ways to Die, the latest Amazing Spider-Man arc. Oh, funny you should mention that. Why is that? I was this close, and you can't see how close my fingers are together, but let me assure you that they are really close. I was this close to buying those today. Because of, yeah, that's what I was waiting for. Junior is doing some kick-ass work. How about that pun? On, on, on amazing. Oh my God! Is this is this the first time, albeit in inking form? But is this the first time Klaus Jansen is working on Amazing Spider-Man? Oh boy! Uh, you know, I, I I'm no not idea. talking about like I, maybe I re- an annual, re- but I remember him on Spectacular. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good uh, question. So he's, for whatever reason, Ramita Jr. and and Jansen seem to be the new penciler anchor team, except yep. on Kick-Ass, which I think is Tom Palmer. But um, I am just, I am so loving this arc. I Even for people that aren't surprised by Anti-Venom or Anti-Venom's alter ego, I wasn't expecting it because I had kind of written off this character. Um Ooh. Who is it? Antivenom? Yeah. Is uh, Eddie Brock. Yeah. Oh. Um, and and I didn't realize that the, the new Venom, well, I guess he's not that new, but I hadn't been, is, uh, is the old is Scorpion. Matt Gargan, yeah. He, uh, yeah. If he did, that, that happened in the Mark Miller Marvel Knights run. Uh, I, wa- I was going to say the Mark Miller and Dodson's Marvel Knights run, but this... The whole venomous arc, mm-hmm. the four issues, was uh, was drawn by Frank Cho. So you know, I, read, I read that. I just don't, and, and it. So I, I definitely read that because I, I, I. It wasn't forgetful, but it wasn't something that like you're really gonna. And yeah. for the most part, it's like no one knew if it was going to be in continuity. And lo and behold, you right, know, here we right. are three years later, and it's still venom. So, um, you know that there was a backup tale, beautifully illustrated by uh, Addie Granov, who. The work in this backup, which is written by Mark Wade, is ten times better than the work he's done on the two issues so far of Viva Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the backup is kind of uh, the backup kind of made me feel good about Eddie for like the first time in ever, and uh, and then the iFanboy guy said too, and and, and a week it. later, uh, Slot and Ramita and Jansen just kind of. Did a 180, but you have you have Thunderbolts, you have Norman Osborn. So now Norman Osborn is finally reappeared in Spider-Man's world um, as the Goblin. No, no, no. As as the head of uh, of the Thunderbolts. Okay. Um, but there's a Green Goblin. There's a Green Goblin. Well, that's Menace. He he appeared in the he pretty much appeared in the first arc or two in uh, when when Brand New Day started. So yeah, there's a new Goblin-esque character. We don't know who it is. You know, it might be Harry. We don't know. Um, but he's got the glider. He's got sort of pumpkin bombs kind of thing. I mean, not not they're like shurikens almost, but they have bombs attached and they almost took Spidey out. But it was, there's just a lot going on you um you're starting to maybe see not not unraveling but they are touching on the events from one more day because peter's thinking to himself that okay no 
he doesn't know who I am. No one knows who I am. What we did is still in effect. Mm-hmm. So you don't know who we alludes to. You, uh, but they're they haven't swept it under the rug. They haven't said, okay, no, we're never going to talk about it again. We may see what happens after you. You know, I mean, you deal with the devil. It's going to come back to bite you in the ass. It's just how it goes. So, um, you have uh, you have that. But Peter knows who Norman is. Peter knows him as the goblin, but he's got the upper hand because even even Norman is trying to there's he, he knows that there's a connection between Peter and Spider-Man. He just can't put his finger on it. So even as a his memory, I guess you want to say, or what his recollection is a little cloudy and he's not quite sure why. So he seems to be the only person we've come in contact with since the new direction who thinks that something is amiss. Now, have they installed the trap door? Should this whole um, Mephisto era amazing not work out? Is, is there a way to get out of all this, or do you think that this is Spider-Man for the foreseeable future? Get out of it. I mean, I on anything. Yeah, they they can. I. Well, I just it, it, I'm I'm just wondering if there was like a casual bit of uh, plot point. You know, inserted there where it would give you the impression that should they they decide to change it, that well, that's we, the way they we, would go. Right before, right before the morning after, right before the last, the end of the last issue of One More Day, before Peter and Mary Jane told Mephisto to go ahead and do it, Mary Jane whispered something to Mephisto. We okay, still don't know go. what she said. So that could be the out, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure you're right. And and she kind of even the the first arc drawn by uh, Marcos Martin, he um, she was helping Spider Man, but he's he didn't know that it was Mary Jane that was helping him because of of the way this, the whole situation was happening. He didn't. It, she was in a panic room, and he didn't know who who he was talking to. But he he's he was saying how you know she sounds familiar. There's something about her that's familiar, and she was basically thinking to herself that you know you don't know the half of it. So I guess even back then, maybe then something was starting to show. I guess mm-hmm. that I I didn't pick up on till just now. Mm-hmm. I, I I will give it uh, give Marvel props. I have to try really hard not to buy that book, and it's solely because the amazing art. You know, it'll be collected. It'll be collected. I, I I know, but I see Chris Piccolo on the cover. Mm-hmm. I, I see Romita Junior, Marcos Martin. Who else was on that? Uh, you had Steve McNiven kick off the new right, direction. Right. Uh, that even- was actually the tipping point for me not buying it. Because I, I had such a bad taste in my mouth from Civil War, not because it was drawn badly. No, I, when, whenever I identify Civil War Marvel, I think McNiven. Mm-hmm. So that kind of pushed me away from from buying it initially. I, it's, it's understandable. It's uh, I mean, it was it was pretty, maybe a little prettier than 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 an Amazing Spider-Man comic needs to be. I mean, there were there were the you traditional McNiven stock poses with the George Perez up the nose shot and and, and right. certain things that you know you could just was you could have seen Captain America in this very panel just like this in in the second issue of Civil War so it's it was a Steve McNiven drawn comic book there was no way around that after McNiven you had uh, LaRocca draw an arc which 
wasn't no, it wasn't offensive. It was not shades of the Sensational Spider-Man annual. It was, oh. or or New Universal. It wasn't. Didn't, it that, wasn't bad. The Eisner Award-winning Spider-Man annual, by the way. <laughs> well, Mo- what do they know? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, and didn't didn't uh, Jimenez draw an issue too? Yes, a Jimenez couple? has drawn a couple of issues. He actually drew the uh, the recent Craven arc okay. where. Uh, where but, you know, you dangle Romita Jr. in front of my face. It's really hard for me not to buy it, unless it's written by Mark Miller. <laughs> no, this is written by Dan Slott, and, and a lot of people think he is the strongest of the four uh, on uh, Spidey's Brain Trust. I thought the um, I thought the Mark McCone issue was really good. Barry Kitson drew an issue. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how many issues... To date, have been released in in the three a month format. Was uh, I think five forty six? Five forty six. I think kicked off the run, and I think last week was five sixty nine. Wow, they're pumping them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three times a month. So, in, in answer to your question about uh, Klaus, he has inked Amazing Spider Man before. He inked issue number 209 way back in 1980. Anyone want to take a guess who the penciler was? 209? Frank Miller. Frank Miller. No? Writer was Denny O'Neill. Penciler was Alan Lee Weiss. Wow. Wow. Then Jansen... Miller did Spectacular, didn't he? Frank Miller did Spectacular because he did the issues where uh, Spidey Peter was blind. And then Jansen inked Issues 244, 250, and 251. And those those, oh, yeah. those are the only four issues he ever inked before this run. And anyone care to guess who the penciler was on those three issues? Ron Friends. Anyone else? Uh, no. I guess um, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, because Friends, Friends was like from 252 on, because that was when the black costume appeared. Uh you're scary, man. It wasn't You're scary with the data. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Ramita Junior. Oh no, was it? Dun, 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 yes, it was. Dun. No wow. shit. So he was inking Ramita Junior. Twenty-five years ago. Wow, Christ. So. John Ramita Junior. doesn't even look like twenty-five years old. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, anybody pick up uh, Secret Six today? Yes, I did. Uh, Very it's cool. coming in my DCPS box. I haven't read it yet. It, it is. It looks really good. Who's yeah. the artist? Uh, oh, uh, Nicola Scott. It's yeah, Nicola nice. Scott. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which you know, I always, I always forget the the correct way to say her name, and I always feel terrible. It's either uh, Nicola or Nicola, and I think it's Nicola. Yeah, I think it's Nicola, only because no, the raging Nicola bullet Scott. cats rage over her. But I, I mean. <laughs> I can be, hmm. And and who did that wonderful cover, Mr. Uh, Neesman? Oh, that's Mr. Cliff Chang. Yeah, and nice. Yeah, he's uh, he's talented. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I was looking through it. I I planned on buying it, but I'm I was looking through it at work, and uh, there's a nice large panel of a knockout emerging from a cake. Is it? Oh is, is, yeah! Didn't she yeah. pop out of a cake? And I said, yep. "I'm so glad I bought this." But knockout's dead. <laughs> that's actually that's a twist. Uh, let me yeah. tell you that, and it's Nicola. It's not Nicola. It's Nicola. Okay. Um, Nicola. Nicola. <laughs> um, uh, but it looks like it looks like Gail Simone and Nicola Scott are having fun with this because yeah. there's all sorts of like messed up, twisted, sexual 
tension and and mm-hmm. different. So, I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna get Catman naked any way they can in any issue. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's like you know lesbian flirtation like stripper scenes and it's they're they're gonna have fun with some stuff so yeah it's it's definitely it is definitely that that humor and vibe that we've come to know with with secret six that is just it's just such a a fun route for the bad guys type book i've never enjoyed deadshot as much as i have in secret six and and they're they're already i mean they're they're launching this one They've been promoting it pretty well within the other books, but they they've got it off to uh, to the right start because uh, you're going to see the cat versus the bat in, in issue two. It looks like. Oh yeah, that'll, that'll keep people buying. And, oh yeah, and yeah. did we did we get the reveal of the quote unquote uh, a list Batman villain as the member? Did we see that in issue um, one? Who it is? You know, I'm a little confused because it is already set up. He's already a part of the group, and see, I've missed some stuff. I need to find this, and I don't know if it's been in Birds of Prey or or Outsiders or what, because Knockout is dead, and that happened in Birds of Prey. Okay, I need to I need to catch up, and uh, I've I've honestly been been trade waiting in that. Oh, so no, no, yeah. no, 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 wait a minute. I, oh no. I, I definitely read when she got killed, but it was either that or or Batman and the Outsiders. Didn't she yeah. get blown up in uh, the second Secret Six Maybe miniseries? That, yeah, was that it? Her and Talia were on the balcony of a hotel or something, and they went kablooey. Oh, I, I didn't know that she died. In that. Oh, what, whatever. But Knockout's gone, yeah. and I can't uh, and yeah. Uh, Bane is is a part of the is a part of the the Secret Six, which um, I was checked out in the whole Nightfall era of Batman, so <laughs> I never really came to hate Bane. I'm just pretty um, uh, apathetic about him. I don't care one way or the other. So I know that some people are like, "Oh, it's awesome! Now, it's ba- did, Bane's in it," and some people are just like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." Did Did, did they ever explain? I'm I'm sorry. I just. I was just curious if they ever explained Bane being back, or is it just because he was drawn into an issue of of Infinite Crisis, and then they figured, okay, well, now Bane's back. No, they did explain something, and oh. I can't remember where I read it. Well, I okay. think it's isn't it coming out of the um, what was the name of that um, the series that just finished up where they were on the the prison planet? Uh, uh, oh, Salvation uh, Run or Salvation Run. Run? I think that's how Bane got hooked up with these guys. Ah, uh, okay, that that mm. that explains because I didn't read that. But uh, yeah, the last I saw of Bane, he was running some country and went in and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like a some dictator in some uh, some weird third world country or whatever. But um, he, you know, just to bring it all back home, I don't think I've ever seen Knockout rendered better than when Tom Grummet drew her. Oh, dude! Back way way back in Superboy. Oh, you're gonna have me thinking good thoughts tonight. Oh yeah! What a, what? Speaking of knockout, she got killed in Birds of Prey number 109, and it was actually part of the whole uh, better left forgotten countdown thing. Uh, Infinity Man showed up and killed her. She was one of the first new gods that he killed. I I, I, I can't believe oh, Catman yeah, isn't right. the A-list Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, not so much. That's right. You know, I forgot they had to kill her. She's a new god. Yeah, right. 
I, I always forget she's a new god. Yeah. She was one of the Furies, yes. Yeah, she's one of the Furies, yeah. Yeah, okay. See? Uh, it's late. We're, lo- we're losing our minds. No, it's all good. And, and speaking of birds of prey, have you seen what some of those back issues go for? No. I, I think, uh, going back to putting all my books into comic base, I think it's issue eight goes for like 50, only 60 bucks. Damn. Yeah, because I bought, um, actually... I bought the entire run of Birds of Prey. I was looking for just, um, I was looking just for uh, Gail Simone's run because uh-huh. I, I had really been reading it, and then someone I just kept hearing everybody tell me how great it was. So I went on eBay and I found the run, and then I noticed that a lot of people were selling complete runs minus issue number eight. Um, but yeah, so that's the one issue that's worth a lot. I guess it's because it's the it's when uh, Dick Grayson and Barbara got on a date. Uh, and for some reason, that's become a collector's item. But I presume it's not that rare of a book. I mean, I, I can't see that issue number eight of a book that came out a few years ago would be all that rare. But yeah, it's, it goes for pretty penny. So if you have one, go ahead and sell it now. Yeah, huh. and and not surprising. Uh, I also noticed that the first issue, Walking Dead, commands some pretty nice change. Oh yeah, and that has for a while. You're what talking? What a bill and a half anyway. I didn't. I didn't notice. I just saw a couple zeros, and I was like, "Wow, wow. Oh, really?" Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because I have one, and I and I will oh, really? gladly get rid of it if anybody wants it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they probably made what like five thousand of them. Hey, boys! This is Zanny Jewett. Just wanted to call real quick and say thanks to Vince for mentioning John Colzar on the on the show. He's a he's a good friend, and it's a fun book. Uh, also, hopefully, all you guys are, uh, you know, saving the 25th of October, uh, keeping it open for in Chicago. Hope to see you all later. Bye. I mean, you know, for anyone out there, I mean, m- most people already know this, but, you know, if you're if you're looking to actually find something that is going to be worth some money at some point, don't buy mainstream comics because they print too many of yeah, them. So, yeah. I mean, if, well, if you're looking for collector's items, you know, you what you want to find is, and this is not investment advice in any sort of way, but you, the the chances of you finding the, the next nickels. yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the the chance of finding the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is is much better than finding the next. Um, I remember X Men one ninety eight, sure, sure. you know, for yeah. a while was a hot book, which is probably mm-hmm. a, a darn near worthless at this point. Um, um, do people actually speculate these days? I don't sure. Sure they do. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are people that do. Yeah. Well, you know what it is, Vince. I think it's more people. There are people that like to still collect high end issues and are so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it can happen. I mean, the um, Dave Peterson's first issue of Mouse Guard, the first printing. Oh, the black and white one. Yeah, it's five hundred bucks on eBay yeah. for that. I mean, I think they only they only sold four or five hundred copies of it, but so it's legitimately scarce. But I mean, you know, you can get that collected in a lot of different ways. But obviously, there's enough people that like Dave Peterson that feel compelled to own it, and so you know. Well, uh, on the, on the speculator thing, the. What you'll see it in sales numbers. Look at how many number one issues come out each month, and what the sales numbers are on number one issues. People are still compelled to buy a number one issue of something. Mm-hmm. And very, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, um, and very. And I slab books. Yeah, I do it. 
you know, it's hey, man, BPRD, they they, you know, that that those are done in mini series for reasons. So they get those number one issues. Joker's so, Asylum. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Everyone is a number one issue. You know, I talked to Mark at, at Dark Tower and, you know, he you know, I asked him, it's like, do you have people that that really go after the number one issues? He says that he has pull box members that you basically tell him that any time there's a number one issue to pull it for him. They yeah. will buy they'll buy every number one issue that he gets in the store. Wow. Well there's also something to number one issues that works on a on a different level, which is that you know, we're I mean, at our hearts so many of us are continuity guys and that you know we have been for so long and as much as we try and break it, there's something appealing if you read a lot of books of seeing that number one and thinking, Oh great your mind immediately thinks great great jumping on point. So yep. I know for me, I mean, if I see a number one, especially with, you know, DCBS does something pretty smart, which is, you know, obviously they give huge discounts on number ones, usually like 75% off. So they, they it's mm-hmm. like crack. They lure you into trying it. And you're like, well, heck, for 79 cents, I'll try any book. And then if it's half decent, you're going to keep reading it. So, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for that, too. I, I, I'll buy almost any number one if it looks remotely interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but, but oh, not to yeah. speculate, not because I think it's going to be worth a ton of money. I mean... You know, yeah, what could possibly be the uh, the turnaround on the average book, the average number one issue? Sure, you have your David Petersons every couple of years, but uh, more often than not, you're going to be eating the price of that comic. Oh, sure, the average return is terrible. Yeah. Sure, but yeah. that's yeah. I mean, I've you know, I actually have stopped thinking of the monthly comic as something to be uh you know an investment and a bag it board it put it away and say last week you you talked about being done with bags and boards i am i'm not buying them anymore (laughs) i I think of monthly comics anymore as chapters that will eventually be put in a book because you know the, the coolest the coolest thing about binding for me is that a bound book of comics that I have searched for years for has a hell of a lot more history than a trade paperback that rolls off the printer. You know, those are just mm-hmm. one in a, a couple thousand. But if I have a bound book, say issue one came from uh, a quarter box in Reading, PA. Issue two was bought five years ago at a flea market. And, you know, there's history to these things. And it, and it adds to the reading experience for me. Sure. Anyway. And they don't have to be perfect. That's what's killing me. The, 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 the fussiness of comic collectors on an average of, you know, the, the whole slabbed books phenomenon, that this book is 9.8. It, it, it's almost flawless. Not, it's not a comic book anymore. It's a piece of paper in, in plastic that will never get read. It, oh, it, that, I'm a sucker that, for that. I mean, I think it's it, well, no, because you look at it in terms of investment. Oh, no, sometimes, oh, no, no, no. I, I just, but I think it's more of a, it's, it's a. I almost look at it like it's a piece of art, you know. I so so I want that pristine copy, much like I would want to, you know, collect it like I'm a little mini museum, you know. I mean, but, but you'll never you'll never ever touch it. I'm no, so sure about it, man. I, I, no, it's I, true, I, I but, think about it. I'll be on the train and I'll dig in for a comic book and there it is in the bag and board and you know I'm all dorky about putting it back in there and making sure it's all straight and you know yeah but I mean I, maybe it's just me getting older you know I spend hundreds of dollars on on a back yeah. issue sometimes just because it's you know near mint and you're right I mean what's really the point of that right because I'm not even going to read the issue I've already read the issue probably in a master works or in a reader copy or in a trade somewhere uh, but I don't know it's, it's, 
I guess it's well, but see, I, it's part of that collector mentality. I, I can't I can't say it's logical, but then again, I would say it's not logical to spend forty two million dollars on a Van Gogh either. I mean, there's no logic to that, but it's what 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 moves you. You know, it's, it's something right. that moves you. And, you and, and and then again, I I'm of the mentality where the original issues to me are worthless if I have a a high quality reproduction of say the you know the Fantastic Four Masterworks which contains what Fantastic Four one to whatever I never have to buy those issues now mm-hmm. because because I, I own them yes I don't own the the exact issues and I don't have the letters pages and the ad pages blah 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 but for my money it's the same thing and and in in my mind I check off that I own Fantastic Four number one even though I don't have a physical copy of it I have about Ten different reprints of the damn thing. <laughs> so, to me, I own it. Well, it is pretty remarkable when you talk about slabbing. Um, I can understand, and, and I really, actually, can completely understand the idea of of slabbing or grading a very high end old book that's truly obscure and, and actually worth something. Because then I think it's so hard in today's internet age and with so many vendors out there to really trust the grading. So I can understand that because if I'm, let's say you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a book, well, it costs what thirty bucks to slab it. So you know, it's basically you're buying, you're taking out an insurance policy on the fact that you're getting what you're paying for. So to me, that makes sense. But what I don't get, and I just I will never get, is that you know. There are guys. If I when I go to Mid- Midtown Comics to say pick up something that I forgot to order through DCBS, if I go there on a Wednesday, there are always guys in there going through every stack of new comics and looking at the spines and pulling out the most pristine issue they can, with the hopes that they're going to send this brand new issue off to CGC and spend whatever they have to spend fifteen bucks in the hopes that it comes back as a nine eight or something like that, so that they can flip crazy fifty bucks. And that's what I don't get. I mean, who's who who's going on eBay buying, you know, Fantastic Four five seventy two at a nine point eight for fifty bucks? Like, like, what's the what's the logic in that? What are you thinking you're doing by by having that issue? I mean, that's what I, I can't figure out what what the motivation is for someone to do that. That I don't get. Yep. But people do it though. Right. See, even sure. even the older books, I can't. No, never. never go ahead, Vince. Well, no, I was going to say, if, if you are looking to buy a copy of, say, Showcase 22, then that's the first Flash, right? Wasn't it Showcase no, 22? No, 4 is the Flash. 22 is Green Lantern. Green Lantern, I'm sorry. If you're going to buy a, a high watermark, uh, a key issue like that, and you have the money to buy it, then by all means... A CGC copy is the way to go because you want to assure yourself that you're getting a book that is properly graded and you're getting your money's worth. But to to buy a copy of, say, Uncanny X-Men, like like 501, what the heck is your problem? You're throwing money away on something you'll... It's like taking money, throwing it out the window because you're never going to read the damn book. Oh, shit, you've already wasted $3 or is it 4 Well. Three. Uh, let the quality judgments aside. Let's just say it, it, it stopped. It has ceased to be what it was intended to be, and it's a book. It's not a book anymore. It's a chunk of plastic that goes in a box, and you've just wasted your money. See, wasted. even even I agree, and I I'm not. But I'm not passing sold. judgment. If no, somebody you're wants right. To do that, then go right ahead. But this is just as, as it applies to me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I'm. I definitely see the need 
or the want to maintain your your investment you know you just spent a couple grand on showcase 22 so you want to make sure that you know nothing happens to it but i don't see myself as the type of person that would buy a cgc book or get something graded if if i had an opportunity to flip through showcase number 22 you're fucking right. I'm going to read this comic book. I don't care if sure. I read the story before, but once it's slabbed, I can't read that anymore. I want to Just, read. I don't care how old it is. I don't care what condition it is, but to be able to read a comic from the 60s, I want to do just it. Just the smell alone. The smell alone hey. would be worth however much <laughs> money that thing costs, you know? I want to feel the paper. I want to, you're right. You want to smell it. You want, I want to you know, look at the inks and the colors, you know, regardless of whether it's faded or not or how it was kept. But to to take this comic book and then slab it, I just, I, it, it's not a fad, but it's just, it's, it's a way of, of thinking that, that I just, I don't, I don't get. Well, I mean, but it, it, it's a good way to like let's tell, let's I mean so showcase twenty two right so Comic Link is a big high end auction shop comiclink dot com so they the highest grade copy they have a showcase twenty two available right now um, is a five and a half so wow okay so it's a it's a it's a fine grade um, it's going for just under twenty three hundred dollars so you know again if you're going to spend twenty three hundred dollars on the books right. on the internet um, I would now. I, I'm not saying I would, pr- but if this was a book I was coveting, I would spend two thousand dollars on a graded book if it was the right grade for the right book on the internet. A graded book. I would not, in any way, shape, or form, spend a tenth of that on an eBay listing, even if the scan was beautiful. Sure. Because how on earth do I know that I'm even going to get the book that he scanned in? So that's sort of the thing. I mean, I, that's why I say. I mean, if you're again, you're. I think if you're in the in the position of spending thousands of dollars on one comic book, you know, money's probably. I'm guessing not an issue, or you're really irresponsible, right? <laughs> one of the other. <laughs> but but when I go on eBay right now as we talk, and I and I Google Uncanny X Men or I eBay Uncanny X Men 500, and I see, you know, that a Terry Dodson variant is going for three hundred dollars. That 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 what? boggles oh my, my mind. God. I mean, that boggles my mind. And it's and it's the X Woman variant too, I think. Yeah, and if I was an if I was an LCS owner, I would make sure I order one copy of at least one copy of every. Like, if I needed to order a hundred issues to get that one in one hundred variant, but I only had fifty customers that wanted a book, I'd freaking order the extra fifty copies and eat them just so I could flip that one one hundred variant on eBay. Right, oh, well, that's probably what uh, happened to do. God, here we go again. Yep, and there you go, and that's why you see a lot of those books are sitting on shelves empty. Yeah. And oh, uh, Uncanny X Men sold a hundred thousand issues. No, it didn't. It sold fifty thousand issues because there's fifty thousand issues sitting on the on the shelves because LCS owners ordered double so they could get that variant. But you guys know, I mean, you there's a there's a guy on the on the boards, Frank Castle. I mean, he he buys every single Michael Turner variant mm-hmm. that's ever made. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who it's from. I mean, any any book he he and you know he's he's had people on the forums that go to cons. You know, if there was a con exclusive that Mike was doing, he would he would, he would find someone to buy it for him. Um, and it you know it just it makes him happy. It's what he likes. So you know, right. but it's done out of love. Right. Absolutely. Right. So he's not. Right, but then I'm Turning saying so when I go to Midtown and and I and I I'm paying, you know, they have their variants behind the the cast registers. So you go up there and I I just you see these these black and white sketch variants and you know, they're priced at 80 to 100 dollars. And 
they're not there for long. You know, if you go back in two weeks, they're probably not there. So someone's going in there and either wanting that want that cover so badly that they're spending that money, or they're going in there and spending the hundred, figuring that they can somehow flip it for another, you know, couple hundred, which boggles my mind. But if you go on eBay as much as I do, you see that it, it they sell you know? yeah. only in America. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. I would just I would just. Uh, uh, tell people if you're really interested in those sketch variants and all that kind of stuff, just go to a convention yeah, and exactly. hit, the, hit, hit those dollar boxes because they're <laughs> filled with them. So yep. true. Yep. All right. Well, lots of comic talk, a little bit of bullshit number talk, but we got to mix it up a little bit, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was good. Good, good to have Wood back. Nice. Yeah. A lot of comic talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heard of. Bastard. Just you know, you know I love you. Where can we yeah. continue the conversation at? I'm giving you your segue there, buddy. Yeah. You can join us at our wonderful forum at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. This past week we've seen a lot of new members, so jump on in there and we'll have some good times. And there and is another way to contact us, aside from the awesome voicemail number that... Uh, Wood cell phone seems to have a problem with. There is the uh, <laughs> wait till he hears the, the email address at uh, letters at bullpenboltonspodcast.com. It's hey, official. Can, can, can we can we clarify something on the voicemails? Because I keep hearing people ask about this in the forum. It, it's that um, no, we don't hear the voicemails while no. or before we record. So I don't know what questions are being asked. So. Right, and but you know, but that you know what that's for? That's for the form. The, uh, right, the voice. Thank you. I don't know. I just had like a log jam in my mouth here. The 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 <laughs> voice. Better another thing back. I've seen in that filthy <laughs> mouth of yours. <laughs> like a sword fight. The the uh, <laughs> voicemails. <laughs> Have some devoid dingus in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, stop. Some taint. The voicemails. I'm not going to do it again. The voicemails are to generate conversation on the forums this week. We have a wonderful Dragon Con report from Tom Morris. Mm-hmm. Andy Jewett Andy Jewett checks in and we have a, a little message from our buddy Wood. <laughs> and the voicemail phone number is two zero six three one two five two three nine. Yes. Andy Jewett's a good guy. You know where he's gonna be on the twenty fifth of October? Not at my <laughs> house. <in> the Windy C- <laughs> He'll be at the Windy City Comic Con. Be yes, kicking at old school at my new crib. Oh hey. congratulations. Did you guys see the Mark Miller video that uh, was on the, was making the rounds today with Blair Butler from no. Golden Apple Comics? No, <laughs> I'm I'm watching it. No, wait, it's Mark Miller talking to Blair Butler, who is smoking hot. And anyway, so they they show the the, the Golden Apple store, and there's people people milling behind Mr. Miller, and there's a chick, a suicide girl, dressed in a bikini, and they make a fast cut to a a bunch of fans lined up at a table. Pat Loik is in the damn video. Is he everywhere? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's everywhere. Yeah, he drove I'd out the there, f- uh, I think, like last Friday or whatever that night it was. But, yeah, he, he drove out to L.A. and uh, Unbelievable. had a blast. That's, a, that's, our, that's our awesome sauce. And he had, uh, he had Tony Harris draw a kick-ass shade sketch inside the Starman Omnibus. Hmm. Wow. That's actually on our cool. forum. I'm surprised you guys don't know about That's these photos. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I should go into the other forums more often. 
<laughs> like that one with, the, with there's like a noise. What the hell's the name of that? Michael you wouldn't you wouldn't like anything in there. It's all good That's comics. True. Don't worry about it. Vince, there, there was one in the uh, in the monkey room dedicated to you that I haven't seen you really react to. Really? What what was that? I just I didn't know you had to, I didn't know you had a sister, so I just a sister. I don't Damn. have a sister. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. uh, I guess I gotta check it out now, huh? <laughs> oh boy! Oh man! Somebody put a winged cat discovered in China, <laughs> Mister KY. That's such a, a a hoax. What am I looking at here? Cougar alert! What am I looking at? No, no go down two more. Sister. Cougar alert. <laughs> well, while he's trying, while he's trying to find that, I got one other comic book recommendation for uh, for everyone out there. Uh, just came out today, The Roberts. Oh yeah, we'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is forty-eight uh, page, right? Or sixty-four pager? Yeah. Yep, two serial killers, one retirement home. <laughs> That's all you need. In that uh, old school yep. prestige format, Dark Knight format. Love it, right? Yep, love it, love it, love it. Okay. So it's a uh, Chicagoan Eric Rose on on art. So check out. Oh the man, Rockets. what is she doing with that kazoo? <laughs> oh Lord. Jesus, special special things. Oh, she's Good night, what folks. She's doing? That see y'all next. Awesome. See y'all next week. Oh yes. <laughs> Play Misty for me. Look at her. All right. See so you guys. Oh, she put it back in her mouth. Stop it. Explicit tag. Family program. See yeah, okay. See us. Come come visit us next week if there's anybody left <laughs> after this episode. Bye bye. Say bye bye. Bye bye. Read Witchblade. So cool. Read Witchblade and Gold Digger. Bye Gold Digger. <laughs> bye. <laughs> so far.